Nigel Sprunt, the International Marketing Director at Withers Worldwide. I want to welcome you to another W Talks podcast. This time, we're talking tech. Hello, I'm James Shaw. I'm Global Head of Withers Tech, uh, leading tech venture capital legal practice operating through Asia, the UK and Europe and the US. And welcome to another Withers Talks Tech podcast. Uh, so far in the podcast series, we've spoken uh, to some of the great names in the European venture capital ecosystem, Fred Destana Stride, Christian Dorfer of Sweet Capital, Carlos Espinal of, of Seedcamp. And on this podcast, I'd like to explore a, uh, and take a slightly different tack um, and explore a topic which we've been actively uh, supporting over the years, but which is still highly fr- fragmented in, in my personal opinion, but that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, and that is, in a nutshell, CPD or continued pro- professional development of uh, VCs, i.e. how a VC investor can continue to develop their knowledge of the industry outside of the deals, but is also perhaps talking about how investors who aren't necessarily familiar with VC investing can understand about v- uh, investing in uh, venture capital. But that's really what we're here to talk about. And for this discussion, I'm uh, delighted to be joined by Irina Havas of uh, Partner of Atomico, uh, and one of the great names in the venture capital ecosystem in, in, the, in Europe, and of course, uh, Robert Walsh, Managing Partner of Q Ventures. So um, let's just dive straight in. Um, hey, Irina, firstly, I'm going to come to you. Um, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Perhaps uh, I can ask you just to give you a brief introduction about yourself and, and your journey and, uh, and you know, your interest in, if you like, this topic. Thanks for, for having me. Um, so my name is Irina Haivas. I'm a partner with Atomico. Um, Atomico is uh, one of the largest VC funds in Europe with 2.7 billion under management, investing out of our fifth fund, which is around 500, um, 820 million. And um, we're a journalist tech fund investing across uh, consumer enterprise and, and deep tech and at Series A um, and Series B onwards as well. Uh, my background to this industry is, I guess, slightly different. Um, I started my life as a, as a medical doctor. Um, I worked as a surgeon briefly before moving to the dark side, so to say. Um, I then spent some time in, in consulting uh, with Bain, uh, including in, in an operating, operating role as a, as a kind of a scholar from Bain, um, and have been in investing uh, for about um, six years now. And I guess Perfect. in terms of like, you know, CPD is a, um, it, it, for me, it's, it's really, it depends how you define it, right? There's the formal knowledge that comes with, uh, with you know, selected programs, um, which can be as part of business school trainings or as part of independent um, platforms. Um, and then there's the on the job um, training, which is, uh, which is very critical in my view. And it kind of like, serves a different set of, of needs for, for professional development. And I'm happy to dive into this further, but I'll just leave it there for now. Yeah, that, that's great. We will come back to that further. I'd love to hear your views on that. But let me just bring in uh, Robert at this point. Uh, Robert, thanks uh, so much for joining us too. Uh, maybe same for you, please, a little intro and uh, sure. your interest in the subject. Sure, James, and, and thanks so much for having me today. So uh, as you said, my name's Robert Walsh. I'm the managing partner at Q Ventures. At Q Ventures, we work with family offices, ultra high net worth and high net worth individuals who are investing directly in venture capital. 
over the last five years, our portfolio has grown to over 60 companies, primarily from pre-seed to Series A. Uh, you know, the investable assets of our group is about 35 billion pounds, I would say. And I would assume they're putting about 700 million per year to work in venture capital. You know, as far as CPD, um, my background personally is uh, I probably started investing in venture about 10 years ago. Prior to that, I was a managing director in what's called securitization. I started my career at Credit Suisse. And then when that moved over here from New York to Europe, and then I headed up Dresner's group globally in, in CLOs and CDOs and moved to Unicredit. But I think, you know, like credit and private equity, I think as, as we see tech has helped everybody to start investing, I think uh, CPD is very important to make sure that we all understand where we're going as, the, as people are very interested in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, uh, I totally agree. And I, I want to dive into that CPD point now. Um, with the so 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 from my view um, we as a team will do um, a significant number of transactions every quarter but that that's through multiple uh, investors so when I talk about CPD I'm trying to understand how does a, uh, a venture investor um, learn all the nuances across all the deals where they may only see and be actively involved in maybe five deals in a year or ten uh, or the numbers like that, where we're doing, you know, significantly more than that. So, um, in in other words, um, where where is the opportunity for for that venture investor to develop their uh, their skills um, rather than just learning on the job? Uh, and I know, and I know, I appreciate this isn't only about the venture investor and the development, but perhaps we can just uh, look at that angle to start off with. I, I, Irina, can can I ask you to come in on that point, please? Um, sure. So, I mean, I think if you think about skills, you have to think about the, the life cycle of, of investing, right? So it starts with sourcing, then you have the diligence, um, you then have the winning, um, you then have the execution of the transaction, and then um, managing, you know, working with the founders, uh, managing your portfolio, and, uh, and lastly, obviously, uh, an, an exit. Um, and so I think what you're referring to in terms of like, the, the knowledge you get in, in closing a certain number of deals is very much around the transaction part, yeah. um, which I would also argue is it, it's, it's important, but it's, um, it's probably not, you know, the only critical element. Like you have to, to, to know how to do all of these steps to get to a successful outcome. And so I wouldn't necessarily look at that as a, as a kind of a singular um, element. Do you do you want me to to dive into that aspect in particular? Yeah, I think um, I'd really like to understand um, how, as you know, looking at that, uh, if you like, the associate level um, venture investor, how they how they do develop their their uh, transactional skills, and you, you know, you've you've talked about sourcing as another key part point, and and the uh, the sort of ecosystem that they're within within the fund, but but actually, you know, key steps along the way, how do they really gain that knowledge other than just by uh, pure sort of, um, uh, you know, um, osmosis, if you like? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it is still very much an apprenticeship industry is the reality today. There are a few formal programs. There's, uh, there's the Kaufman Fellows that have a, a venture deals program. There's the BBCA that has some local, um, local programs as well. 
but but obviously a lot of the learning happens on the job and and uh, an associate is not actually expected to run a transaction themselves they work with with uh, with a partner or another kind of senior member of the of the investment team to to do that and we also have um, you know our, our advisors in the process of like lawyers and and so on to to help with that so um, and you can get to work on on quite a few investments as an associate throughout throughout your your career. I think the role of an associate starts being starts by being more sourcing focused, um, and then it evolves as as they get more senior into taking on more ownership of like you know closing a transaction and and, and the more technical elements as well. Um, but, um, it also depends on the background, right? Some, some associates come with, with existing finance background. Um, so obviously they'll, they'll, they'll know that bit and have to learn other bit. I think we just look at the individual, um, and see what, what are the areas that they need to develop and focus on that. Yeah. Robert, can I bring you in at this point as well, please? Sure. I mean, it's, I think it's different paths. Depending on and listen, real deal experience is is, is 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 the best thing for anything, anything you do. If you want to play football, go to go go out to the sports field and play, and that's how you figure out how to kick the ball. Um, but the, the, there is a blend, and we are finding that, you know, depending upon how much time somebody puts in, because I think one of the big challenges uh, with venture capital is you spend a lot of time not investing, and that that is somewhat like drinking from a fire hose, and I think that just takes time to develop. But that's why it's kind of an art and it is kind of a science. Do you know what I mean? Knowing what your plan is and we find with a lot of family offices and as, as with private equity and with credit, you've seen those become more professional as they become a little bit more vanilla and as technology has helped them become more vanilla, you're going to, I think you're gonna see that with venture and it's really kind of part of it's, you're going to have traditional venture capital and then you're also gonna have family offices that are gonna be filling in some of that gap who become venture capitalists for themselves because they have the ability to take seven and 10 year returns. So if you look at uh, Kinevec or if you look at like Haixing, you know, they're writing quite large checks and eventually become venture capitalists in above themselves with different themes. So I do think it is very much learning on the job. Sometimes you make some mistakes, but it's really kind of, where are you in that ecosystem as well? Do you know what I mean? It's a matter of, you know, we are looking more at C to series A, which you do need somewhat of a portfolio approach. and. I think it does, it is both on the job, but also, you know, making sure you're picking the right deals to pursue. But it's kind of like when you think of the transactional phase, you're kind of three quarters up the mountain, you know, if not, if not higher, um, especially when there are a lot of groups that do investing. And it also matters where you are coming in to me, whether it's series C, series D or, or the series A. And also, also on yeah. the entrepreneur and how experienced they are. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, I would actually not necessarily agree that the transactional phase is um, is the is the the hardest or the kind of most critical one. I think it's it's a it's a critical one, but in the in today's world, um, it sourcing, for instance, is a very key lever to get right. And there's obviously more data driven sourcing that everyone is trying to implement and investing in teams of engineers to help replace what the the humans do which is just feet on the street uh, but those feet on the street are still very very important that's how you get intelligence that's how you know when 
when um, when a when a, a potential opportunity arises and it's I would say it's probably harder to get that right in some ways than than to just learn how to execute uh, a transaction because um, it's a much more complex problem and I think the industry is still is still very much trying to solve it and and approach and try trialing various approaches and the the access uh, that you get drives a lot of of the returns and so when you look at um, you know kind of new funds one of the questions that people always ask is what you know how why do you have a different access uh, access the best investments are extremely competitive um, to get in as a as kind of an investor then there's also the part around like evaluating so you have to have often I mean it depends on how you know, there are some very obvious investments that everyone is chasing and then there's the less obvious ones where maybe expertise in certain areas matter or having a network of of experts um, matters then the the winning part again it's not you know how do you position yourself and why are you the best partner for that entrepreneur um, is, uh, is, 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 a, is a hurdle so I to me I find that the execution of transaction not again I don't want to make it less important but in a way it's the most codified one in the in a way it's the one you can put in a course and you can mm. you know kind of have a few good investors and a few good lawyers teach it but it's just like a piece of of what makes um makes good returns and so i think fund strategy overall you know getting that that right but that's a different skill set as well right so i think having there's like the individual investor skill set and then there's a fund manager skill set. So at the individual investor, these are the, the topics that are the, the steps that I've mentioned. That's that's where the skill set lies. When you layer on the fund manage fund manager um, skill set, you have to think about allocation of capital, follow-on decisions, um, you know, fund strategy ticket size, stage, industries, themes, however you want to cut that strategy by. And that's the, you know, that's, that's the, other, the other layer. But I just think it's much more nuanced than that. And I think, it, it, of course, it, it helps. But even in private equity, I would argue that it's a very professionalized industry, but the transaction part is, is pretty commoditized. I mean, it's not, it's not easy, but it's not that hard to teach someone how to do an LBO model um, after there's a lot of courses online and after you do a few of those, you kind of learn how to do them. And then, um, that yeah. is very, you're, very, you're, yeah. So yeah. it's, it's, it's quite, you're, I would say it's quite standardized in some ways, right? You're absolutely right. And I think, I think from, from the, in one of the points you, you said earlier on, I'm going to pick it up, uh, um, uh, again, but it's, um, you said the CPD, um, uh, is is good hygiene that's one of one of the things you you, you talked about in, in a prior discussion on this topic and um and i thought it was a really nice way to summarize it it's the but the you know the way where you become this this great investor is where you you're surrounding yourself with the sourcing and the if you like the yeah. ecosystem and the contacts and so on um so cpd is being if you like a, a, it's a, a hygiene core, factor core, core core hygiene factor exactly and, and as a lawyer in the process I can, I, you know, that's the bit I'm quite good at, obviously, where we, we do the standard template documents for the BVCA. We want to productize and, and streamline that process. We want to ensure 
that that pro project management of that transaction essentially is is uh, is something that the advisors can really help with and the investors can do essentially quite in, in a in a straightforward manner and um and so it's the other pieces the softer pieces which are um which you've talked about which are which are slightly more difficult um to to nail um but actually allow me now to transition straight into the family office side of this because we're talking about it from the growth uh, essentially the early venture investor the, the associate um but actually let's have a new new investor fund coming into this market and saying actually this, this sort of sort of thing i want to do robert um you're really closely connected with the family office network as well do you see do you see this sort of education piece being quite a critical part from their perspective as well well you know brushing anything with a broad stroke is never good you know i agree with it it is the hygiene factor but also the more more the, of us that keep good hygiene means the market is more efficient because all you need is one or two investors from a prior round that doesn't have good hygiene um or doesn't know the terms or doesn't know for lack of a better term, their place, um, you can drag that process on for the entrepreneur and slow it down. But I think in the family office side, you know, we're finding more people come up with strategies, looking to allocate a portion of their portfolio. And you'll see that oftentimes it's split into two pieces. Things they don't know about, they will put into a, a fund. But if they have specific experience, such as, you know, they started a bank, FinTech, they will prefer to do it themselves because they can make they they have very good connections in that and they can kind of see where it can be in their portfolio down the line because they're not really necessarily investing for an exit they might be investing to take it over one time and make it part of their portfolio because when you look at a family office which often are becoming more holding companies they're very much looking to have a portfolio businesses 10 to 20 and that's where they're putting money in but we are seeing the next generation who are much more digitally native, looking to get into this and eventually turn their family office, which might have been making wheat or uh, owning a bank, into a company, uh, several different companies and owning it in that tech world. So I do think you're going to see more people looking at both, figuring out how to source and can they source and do they know what they're doing. Um, unfortunately for family offices, on-the-job training is making a 500,000 pound commitment that disappears, which I don't think helps anyone. Right. So I think it's better to have good hygiene, but it also makes the whole ecosystem better because if better documentation has come up at series A or series B and entrepreneurs are more sophisticated, it just helps everyone. But also, I think the market's moving so fast. Do you know what I mean? Where the money is moving very quickly. Well, um, it is. So. And, and, and tech is a, is a, an, you know, an attractive sector um, uh, for a number of different reasons. And um, so, we we are definitely seeing different sources of capital coming into the market um, as well. But, but, but you're almost, sorry, James, you're almost forced yeah, to yeah. come in with interest rates so low, right? Where can you get, and the family office world is a place, you know, away from the pension funds, but you're seeing the pension funds are starting to come in in the smart, in this world, the UK, as well as the US. But where else can you get a return if you're willing to go into illiquid investments? It has to be private equity venture. Yeah, uh, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna make a, a comment now about the family office and philanthropic uh, sources of cash, so charities supporting, if you like, impact or uh, it, it being a source of patient capital, have much more impact and ability to uh, to look at investment opportunities that wouldn't necessarily drive straight economic returns initially. Um, that's going to be a subject of a separate discussion. 
but I, you know, what I've certainly seen the this move in the in the uh, in the environment, which is which has been more impact based uh, investment opportunities, and that's been attracting more of the family office money and the uh, essentially the charitable money as well. Um, but before we uh, we close this out, um, Robert, can I can I ask you to talk about and you know we were due to, due to be joined today on the call, on the podcast with uh, with LBS. Uh, but sadly, Louisa had to uh, pull out last minute. But so perhaps you can um, just come in and, and talk a bit about uh, the work you're doing with uh, with LBS and the program we're going to be running later in the year. Yeah, we we run several different types of continuing education or or just education. And one of the programs that we are working with is the London Business School. So uh, November 23rd, and we call it, you know, much to our colleague's uh, uh, point here, the Art and Science of Venture Capital. And we're working with them to do a four-day program for people who either the junior associates that don't have as large an infrastructure as Atomica or people in family offices who want to evaluate investing in venture um, to get an idea as to how to source, how to do term sheets, what should you be looking out for, should you follow your money? Because, you know, I couldn't agree more. You need to come in with a strategy, um, you know, as to what your portfolio strategy is, because I do think there's been an awful lot of people who have learned by getting their hands burnt. And I don't think that's good for the industry. Um, and so, yeah, so we're doing a program with LBS. We spent six to nine months curating it. Thank you, James. You're going to speak with as well. We're bringing Sozarini and we're bringing together a bunch of professionals so people can see if venture capital is the right thing for them um, and to see where they should be playing. And that could be allocating to funds um, or that could be doing direct investments uh, occasionally or it could be setting up their own venture capital firm. But we're very excited for it, and we do think it's time. We were surprised it's the first of its uh, kind for a one-week course. Yeah, well, I I'm very much looking forward to uh, to that, uh, Robert. So th thank thank you so much for for taking the initiative there, Irina. Can I um, just ask you to um, for some final comments before we wrap this up, please? Um. No, I mean, I guess overall, I, I do agree with the fact that there's some like kind of macro macro trends around the industry professionalizing and more people entering as well. Um, I do think that I've also seen a lot of mistakes from from new entrants. So there is a value to um, to kind of walking before you can run in this industry. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than um, it is it is important, but I think it's much more about creating sustainable platforms that can execute the full um, spectrum of what's needed to 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 be a strong venture capital players player. And if you look at what happened in private equity, as an example, which is an industry that's a little bit ahead in its professionalization, you know that's when you had the evolution of the KKRs and 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 bank caps of this world, right? They started as single funds that they expanded into platforms, and the reason they exist is because they are much more than just like you know one one entity or one individual they are they are like multi strategy multi fund platforms with um with with where there's very clear roles um supporting the investment teams there's there's kind of like separate groups of people supporting the teams on operations supporting the teams on sourcing supporting the teams on like execution transact executing transactions on like you know all the other financing uh, elements. And um, I think, you know, it's probably worth looking at venture as a, as a, as a much bigger, um, 
undertaking, I guess, than just executing a transaction or, or deciding, you, you know, you're going to do five deals in this field um, if, you, if you want to build a longer-term sustainable platform. Yeah, think, thinking big. I love it. And uh, on that note, uh, I'm going to just uh, say thank you both so much for, for joining uh, me on this podcast today. Really, really appreciated the inputs, Irina, and uh, from you, Robert, as well. Look forward to the, uh, the session in uh, November. And um, so thanks so much. We'll wrap that up. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much.